Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about hair loss and breast cancer. Perhaps the most noticeable side effect of some chemotherapy treatments is hair loss. A bald head, especially for women, is sometimes the first physical sign that screams cancer patient. It's a lot to deal with on top of a diagnosis. And whilst it might pale in comparison to a life-threatening illness, it has a big impact emotionally. For many women, their hair can be very much a part of their femininity and identity. In recent years, cooling caps have become an option for some who want to try and preserve some of their hair, but it takes commitment and let's be honest, it's painful. So is it worth it? Today on Upfront, we're talking to two women who are going to give us some insight into their experience. Juliette Wilson didn't have the cooling cap and Caroline Sladen did. A reminder that these episodes of Upfront about breast cancer are unscripted conversations with our guests. The topics discussed are not intended to replace medical advice nor necessarily represent the full spectrum of experience or clinical option. Please exercise self-care when listening as the content may be triggering or upsetting for some. Caroline and Juliet, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get into it. How important was your hair to you? Well, for me, when, you know, when I was diagnosed, I really thought that hair loss would not really affect me as much as it did. I thought, you know, well, my hair would grow back. Um, and I, I was completely unprepared for the way that it did affect me when my hair fell out. What about you, Caroline? How important was your hair to you? Um, I think very important. So I think the minute I found out I had to have six months chemo, my sort of first question was, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my hair, um, to which my oncologist said, well, there is this option of the cold cap now, um, and that's when we started talking about that. And I think the other thing for me was my daughter's first reaction as well was, oh, mummy, I'd be embarrassed if you come pick me up from school and you've lost all your hair. And she was only seven or something at the time. So I think it was for them, for mum to look as normal as possible was one thing that played on my mind as well. Mm-hmm. Juliet, the cold cap was not an option for mm, you, was that's it? That's right. Yep. Yeah, my oncologist said because of the types of drugs that I would be having that the cold cap would not protect me from losing my hair, so there was no point to put myself through the discomfort. Mm. So even though you knew you were going to lose it, prior to that, your hair was very much a part of your identity? Absolutely, and and I had worn a very short pixie cut, pixie cut for many, many years until I moved to Australia in 1992. And I came to this country with women with, you know, this gorgeous long hair (laughs) and I started growing mine and had been growing it since 1992 (laughs) and it had you know finally gotten to the length that I liked it and and the last visit to the hairdresser I said Tina look it's finally as long as as I've wanted it. (laughs) 
And then you were faced with the reality that it was all going to fall out. That's right, yep. So, Caroline, when you make the decision to have the cold cap, it's it's an all-in commitment too, isn't it? Describe for us what level of commitment it is to go through the cold cap. Yeah. So it is, it, um, in terms of, I guess, the time and the pain of the actual chemotherapy sessions. So um, you had to go in an hour and a half earlier um, to get the cap fitted and even that was quite a sort of stressful process because if they don't fit it perfectly and they leave one little gap for one chemo session, like where it's not tight enough on your head, then you'll get a ball patch there. So it was all about that would probably take half an hour of fitting it perfectly. Then they have to cool your head for an hour before they actually even start the chemo. And then you have to wear it again for an hour after. So it really adds on. So your actual chemo session would normally be, say, two hours. It adds on another two and a half hours. Um, and as for how painful it was, it just it is really painful. And it was... Um, that just your whole head is frozen, your whole body's freezing. So I used to go in there in thermals and everything to keep myself warm as I possibly could, even if it was the middle of summer. Um, so the pain is excruciating, but I managed to, I think the thing that helped me get through the pain was um, at the hospital before they put it on, they gave me a Panadol and also this tablet called an Ativan, which is similar to a Valium, which helped with the pain and made you more relaxed and made me able to sleep a little bit through the sessions, which just meant it wasn't as excruciating and the time went quicker. It sounds like it should be called a frozen cat, not a, a cold cat, because it sounds freezing. Yeah, freezing. So you definitely need to take warm clothes and blankets and everything because um, it just goes sort of through your whole body, the coldness. It's not just your head. Um, and I guess the other thing, I it was so – it's quite tight around your jaw as well, so it's really hard to talk. Um, so unlike most people who, want, who had company during their chemo sessions – I actually preferred to write it out on my own and just put my earpods in and listen to music or read and hopefully fall asleep. Um, like obviously the first session, my husband came and my mum came to the second one, but I was like, I just prefer no one here. I just prefer to shut my eyes and just relax. Um, so that that was something that was let personal. Let the time pass rather than trying to pretend that I'm feeling okay and have someone there talking to trying to talk to me but um that was most people prefer to have someone there that was just me yes although I don't think you're alone in that thought because it's so cold and uncomfortable and really sounds quite miserable uh that people just want to be alone uh Juliet with you yeah you didn't obviously have the cold cap, so, and you were also receiving chemo during COVID condi mm. conditions. Yeah. But how was your experience of chemo then? Well, similarly, because of the pandemic, I haven't had anyone accompanying me, and yeah, I, I, I do, um, you know. But I find that pretty much for the few hours that I'm there, there's there's so much interaction with with the um, with the staff that are there, and they're so lovely that. Um, it's, it hasn't felt like I've been alone, but um, it's been very supportive as well. Mm. So given that you knew you mm. were going to lose your hair, there seems to be the magic 
is it day 17 <laughs> that, well, you're, that they warn you that it's going to start falling out? Yeah, so, you know, you don't know what you what you don't know and I didn't even know the questions to ask my oncologist so he just basically said look you know I'm going to be brutally honest with you you will lose your hair there's no getting around that don't even bother with the cold cap because it won't help you in this situation and the only question I knew to ask was do you have any sense of when it might happen and he said look pretty much certain it could be it will be around day 19 so that was the only kind of guidance that I had (laughs) Now, in the first week after my first round of AC, my scalp was very, very sore, and I didn't realize that was going to be part of it as well. So I actually, first off, had my, you know, elbow-length hair cut into a pixie cut because the weight of it was just pulling on my scalp and really hurting. Um, And then, really, it was about, I think it was day 15, 14, 15, where my scalp got really sore again. And and because it had been sore before, I didn't really know what that meant. And I didn't know until after what happened that it was actually a sign that my hair was about to fall out. So did it magically start to come out on on day (laughs) 17 or...? No, in fact, it um, it all happened a few days earlier, and because I was very focused on, okay, I've got a few more days that I've got my hair, I was completely unprepared, and it actually um, happened on a morning where um, I dashed down to the beach for a quick swim, a quick dip before starting my day of work, got home, thought, great, I've got 10 minutes before my first video meeting, I'll jump in the shower and be ready for my video meeting. Ran upstairs, jumped in the shower, and looked down and my pubic hair was running down my legs. And I kind of went into shock and then I ran my hand through my hair because my scalp was was very sore. And that's when it all started, just handful after handful coming out. And I looked down and the whole base of the shower was covered in hair and I was so unprepared, I just, I went into shock. So um, even though you knew it was going to happen, yeah. to actually see it happening was a whole different experience. And even though I was thinking, gosh, this isn't going to be so bad, you know, yes, I've spent these years growing it out, but it'll grow back. When it actually happened, I it was, and my oncologist had actually said, for many women, it's the most traumatic part of their cancer treatment. And I, I didn't really take that to heart because I thought, gosh, you know, chemo, surgery, radiation, surely losing my hair won't affect me that badly. It comes back. But when it actually happened, the impact was enormous. The shock, the, the, um, yeah, it it felt like I was in a horror movie. (laughs) And you know, then trying to pull myself together for a video meeting with colleagues, I just, I simply wasn't able to do that. Mm. So it didn't all come out. Did you then go and have the rest shaved off? What yes. did you do after yep. that? Um, well, my oncologist had said that his advice was when it starts coming out to save myself the trauma of, you know, it continuing to fall out over a period of time. He said, when it starts to come out, just get it shaved. So what I had done is spoken with the barber shop up the street and said, look, sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to come and see you. Um, and just worded them up because I knew that I would be quite emotional when it happened and that, um, you know, that way they would be prepared and I wouldn't um, be as, uh, 
I wouldn't cry as much when I arrived on their doorstep. So yeah, so that morning um, I I called a colleague and I said, look, I'm, you know, she's a friend. And I explained what happened. I said, I'm in shock. I'm standing here with, with you know, hair all around me, patches on my head, and there's no way I can share this meeting. Can you please take over? And um, I'm going to just say that my video's not working. I'll join the meeting, but I won't, you know, I, I can't let anyone see me in this situation. So I managed to somehow get through the meeting, um, you know, in this state of shock, and then I walked up the street to the barber, and and the barber who um, who shaved it for me was was absolutely beautiful. His cousin had um, had lost his hair to chemotherapy, and he had shaved it for him. And so he said all the right, beautiful, supportive things as he removed the rest of my hair. BCNA's online network is an active peer-to-peer -peer support community where people affected by breast cancer can find information and connect with others who understand what you're going through. Read posts, write your own, ask a question, start a discussion and support others. The online network is available for you at every stage of your breast cancer journey, as well as your family, partner and friends. For more information, visit bcna.org.au forward slash online network. So Caroline, having the cold cap, which you have to have in every single chemotherapy treatment through the whole course. Yeah, so all 18 or whatever it was of them, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't stop you losing your hair, does it? No, so um, before you do it, they tell you, you know, there's no guarantee um, it works better for some people than it does for others. And they said you will definitely still lose some hair, whether that's 20%, 30%, 50% or 80% um, or all of it. So it's a bit of an unknown um, and they're not really sure what why it works better for some people um, than others. I was a real Nazi about making sure the cap fitted and that it was tight, um, which I think is important um, in terms of how well it works. But um, I was very conscious of that day 17 or 19 that they tell you about that when you sort of start to lose your hair if I hadn't been wearing the cold cap. And I was sort of nervous leading up to that. And, look, I did every after every chemo you lost, I lost some hair. Um, and you'd wash your hair really gently and you'd just feel more hair than what you'd normally feel come out. Um, and after I think the second or the third one, I felt like I was losing a lot of hair and I was sort of remember sitting in there like in tears going, I just don't think it's working, is it worth it? And it was my mum that said, you know, come on, just keep it keep it up for one more time, see if you can get through it because, you know, it's... It's not just for the six months of the chemo. It means you don't have to worry about the hair growing back over the years that follow and, you know, do it for the kids. And she was really encouraging. I think once I got through that third one and I still hadn't lost too much hair, um, I kind of thought, yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with it. But um, I probably over the course of it lost probably 50% of my hair but never all at the same time and I never had bald patches so it just was sort of probably other people who have thin hair normally wouldn't have wouldn't have noticed so it was really only me that was conscious of it not just wear my hair back in a ponytail I mean you're not allowed to get blow waves or anything like that when you're doing it you have to be really gentle with your hair throughout so um I just wear it 
sort of back and no one would notice. And then by the time I'd finished the first three months of treatment, which were the A season and moved into the weekly ones, hair actually started growing back when I was on the second lot. of um, So I'd get little spikes, so that would mean that any thinning bit had sort of gone because you were having all this new hair and it was really then just a ponytail it was, that was thinner. So I don't think there was ever a time where anyone would have said, even my good friends would have said, gosh, Karis has lost a lot of hair. It was, um, it looked pretty good the whole, the whole time. So, but I have heard of other people that they've just lost so much hair after the first and they've said stopped it or they've stopped it because it's more painful. So I think I've got about four friends since me that have tried the cold cap. Um, two have done it and done it to the end and two have sort of given up after a couple of sessions. So it's really, um, it's a fine balance. So with the cold cap, it only preserves the head on your, the hair on your head? So with, with, with a cold cap, when you have a cold cap, does it only preserve the hair on your head? Do you lose the hair everywhere else? Yeah, you lose the hair everywhere else um, and including um, your eyebrows and eyelashes. Um, but I didn't lose them right until the end. So you kind of, I don't know why, but they seem to be tougher than the hair on your head. So I probably lost them sort of only for the last two months of my six months treatment and then they grow back really quickly. Um, so that thing, I've sort of only felt... I was without them for probably eight weeks or two months. So, um, and the hair on the rest of the body all gone. Your skin feels so smooth. It's like a baby skin. <laughs> so, so there is an upside. Okay. How did keeping, well, the majority of your hair make you feel? So was it worth it? Uh, for me, 100% it was worth it um, because... Number one, probably for my kids, I think they just felt that if mum looked normal, they sort of thought that I was less, you know, that I wasn't sick. Um, And it was also sort of, I guess, for them, you know, at school things and so on, just, you know, not having to look like I was going through treatment, even though everyone knew. Um, And the other thing was not, I I didn't care about my friends at all. Like, I don't mind what I look like with them. Um, But it was also sort of walking into a supermarket and not having people, strangers, look at you going, oh, that, you know, look at that poor lady. She's obviously going through chemotherapy. And I didn't want eyes on me at all. Um, And I think that was one thing that the keeping my hair did. I never actually looked sick. So I kind of felt like I could go about my daily things without thinking too much about it. Um, And then same, just going out or whatever it just yeah it just gave me I guess more confidence to live a more normal life but I think if you don't choose to do it it doesn't matter as well because my friends that didn't do it and they rocked headscarves and stuff look absolutely amazing too so I think it's um it's just a very sort of personal thing. Juliet just listening to Caroline say that it gave her a little bit of privacy Mm. if you like you know firsthand what uh, a bald head attracts out in public don't you yeah 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 I um 
I prepared before my hair loss. You know, I knew that the Australia... Um, can, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Cancer Australia um, provided free wigs and I, I got a free wig and I, I bought my, my head covering and my scarves so that I would be prepared when my hair fell out. And I found it interesting that when it fell out, I actually decided to just go bald coconut. Um, for me, I, I didn't want to shy away from what was happening to me. And I wanted people around me to... Um, it was almost like standing up to cancer to say, this is what's happening to me. Um, it was kind of empowering. It was absolutely nerve-wracking at times. When I was out with friends, I felt very safe. And if I was walking and moving through places, it was much easier. I found that if I was sitting down where people were also sitting down, like on a tram, and they would start staring, that's when I felt uncomfortable. And when you're bald and you're a woman, people don't just give you a glance. They stare, and I would make eye contact, and they would continue staring, which I found really disconcerting and, and kind of rude. <laughs> and I thought, just, just ask me, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was... Um, so you really owned it? Yeah, I did, yep. I decided this is what's happening to me and, and I'm going to own it. And I felt bad, you know, when I would read stories from women who felt like they couldn't even be seen by their husbands without a wig on. That made me feel really sad. It made me realise that so much of society judges us on how we look. And the beautiful thing that happened for me when I had to go around, well, I didn't have to go around being bald, when I went around being bald and, you know, and, and as my looks changed, um, it made me realise that, that I am not my looks. I am my soul. And, that, and, and people treated me the same way. And that was a really beautiful thing. You did, however, put on a scarf or a cap when you went to your oncologist's office, yes, though, didn't you? Yeah, Why was I did. that? Look, you know, I know that when I was first diagnosed, when I would see um, anyone who was bald from cancer, it really frightened me. You know, it was an indication of how sick I was. And so out of respect for people that were newly diagnosed, I covered myself. Um, and that, that may sound strange to some, but I know what it's like in that first stage when you're very, very frightened. And, and for me, of course, you know, and for anyone who loses their hair, whether you, um, you know, cover yourself in your home or, or outside the home, every day you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And it is extremely confronting, and it is a constant reminder of what's going on and how unwell you are. And, um, yeah, so I just... I felt more comfortable n knowing that I wasn't going to cause anyone else to stress. Mm. Were there any services or support that helped you either preparing for the hair to come out mm. or being bored or as it starts to come back? Um, I went to one of the Look Good, Feel Good workshops, and that was really, really lovely. Um, and that was a little bit less about the hair and more about, you know, the eyelashes and eyebrows. But um, 
when I went into the workshop, um, there were three women who hadn't lost hair and three of us who had. And um, one who, who still was bald, one whose hair had come back since losing it. And partway into the workshop, and this was the first time I was in a room with other people who had breast cancer, I just kind of shyly kind of just slipped my my um, my little turban off and and everyone in the room just said, "Oh gosh, you look so beautiful." And for me that was just just a wonderful feeling, a really supportive feeling. Um, yeah. You've somewhat been spared that feeling. Do, did you do you think uh, keeping your hair possibly gave you a, a little bit of a uh, diversion from being sick? I think probably yes. Like I didn't have to look in the mirror and I, look, I looked sort of the same. But um, I sort of I, I love what you're saying in terms of that it makes you, you know, take on the cancer and be proud of it. So I guess I, I missed out on that aspect of it because I got away with looking quite normal the whole time. Um, I went to one of those look good, feel good things as well and found it really, really helpful. Um, and that was kind of when I was right start sort of deciding whether to keep doing the cold cap or to not. So, um, and also the free wig service that the um, Cabrini gave and also with the they gave some head scarves and stuff so I think what the free wig did made me realize that if I if the cold cap wasn't going to work I probably wouldn't have gone with the wig option and I would have owned it um so um yeah I probably did miss out on a bit of that yeah I've got this and look at me I'm you know proud of it but it also allowed you to get on with it without having to catch your reflection and a bald head. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it literally, it, it took me months of looking in the mirror each morning to get used to that. I, I would look in the mirror and just not recognise the person I saw. Mm. And that was disconcerting. And, um, and, yeah, and part of getting used to how I looked was also presenting myself in the same way, I guess, in the outside world as well. Yeah, so in perhaps advice and words of encouragement to others who are either not choosing to do the cold cap or, or can't, is the message, it's not going to happen overnight, that, yeah. that acceptance of your new, new look? Absolutely. And, and you shouldn't, you know, you will, you know, it, it's completely normal to feel, you know, distressed and overwhelmed and sad. And, um, you know, look, every time you catch a glimpse of yourself, you think, oh, my gosh, that's, that's the sick me. That's not the me that I know. You know, that's the sick me. And it's, you know, for the first while, it's very hard. And it's funny that right now when my hair has just started to grow back, it's kind of like, oh, but I was kind of used to that bald me. <laughs> so now I'm almost having to adjust again because yeah. I look and different what's it again. Like? what's it like to start having the, the hair grow back? It's very exciting. <laughs> Is it the same? Is it different? It's so soft. And it's got a, a, quite a lot more sparkle in the sides than it had before. The greys are coming in. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. And, um, 
Yeah, you know, talking about the when you mentioned the 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 hair loss in the entire body, that was the other thing that I was completely unprepared for when when I lost the hair on my head. No one had mentioned to me, or I hadn't thought to ask, what about the hair on the rest of my body? <laughs> so that was um, that was a pleasant surprise, and you know, being you know hair free for those months, you know, not having to shave was was really lovely, and having this gorgeous smooth skin. But as it's grown back, there's a few other hairy issues, pardon the pun. <laughs> yes. So um, what I've been experiencing this week is, um, you know, yes, the hair on my head that's growing back is lovely and soft, but my pubic hair isn't. And <laughs> I've been experiencing um, what I would call razor burn for about the past week, which is extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> and is there any way around that? <laughs> Not that I've discovered, <laughs> except that I don't. I've been wearing, yeah, loose-fitting clothing most days, yeah, because it's 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 excruciating otherwise, and even in the night, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think that there's no right or wrong answer, is it, whether to to do the cold cap, whether not to do the cold cap, whether to keep doing the cold cap. What words of advice or or tips would you give to other women, Caroline? Um, look, I think if you would like to try and keep up the perception that life is kind of normal um, and if you've got sort of young kids and stuff, um, I have no regrets in giving the cold cap, doing the cold cap. Um, the pain for me was all worth it. Um, definitely take the medication that they offer you to make that pain a little bit um more bearable um, and then just sort of try and relax um, and sleep. Um, I think a lot of people give it up because they get discouraged because they're losing lots of hair. But again, to that, I'd say don't don't give up just because of that because it's amazing how much hair you can lose without other people noticing, especially if you've got dark hair like I do. You just, you just notice it on the floor. But honestly, I've felt like I'd lost so much but really couldn't notice so don't give up just because of that um keep going um if you can um I mean it's different if you sort of start getting bald patches and stuff so that's where I think it's really important about the fit of the cap because you don't want to go through this pain and agony to have them fit it properly just only it takes one time um if they, if it's not all touching your head that you know all the hard work goes to waste if you get a massive ball patch so um but then you know again I admire people that haven't done it and how beautiful they look and how um it's quite empowering so I think it's a very personal choice yeah and I guess what I would say you know is it may sound like a cliche but we as women we are so much more than what we look like and it's it's really important that no matter what's going on that 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 you realize that we are we are all beautiful human beings and um it doesn't matter whether you lose your hair or not um you know and and everyone you know everyone's choice in the way that they approach this whole crazy journey of breast cancer is is valid and to do what works for you and it's it's no one else's journey but yours Thank you both for your insight and your honesty today.
today on Upfront. And this podcast was brought to you with thanks to Cancer Australia. BCNA's My Journey has a range of resources about hair loss related to breast cancer treatment. So sign up, visit myjourney.org.au. BCNA's online network is also an online peer-to-peer support community where you can connect with others going through a similar experience. To join, visit the BCNA website. Thank you for joining us. I'm Kelly Curtin. It's good to be up front with you.